Welcome back to LichCast, episode 31, comics, anime, gaming, and Octorox. It's all geek to me. Joining me this week is actor Jonathan Potts, and if you recall back to episode 4, Jonathan played Link alongside Cynthia Preston as Zelda in the animated series. He's also been in an extensive list of films and shows, The Strain, Jason X, and Supernatural, to name a couple. On a side note, I've been on a bit of a hiatus for a while since I've moved countries in the last few weeks, and I'm working on setting up a proper studio to record in. So bear with me while I work on these things, but I wanted to get an episode out there so you all knew I wasn't dead. Anyways, it's all coming up in this week's episode of LichCast. You know what to do with that intro. Anyways, are you ready to go here? We can just I'm jump, ready to go. jump right into it. Yep. All right. You start. I uh, will do. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Aaron, as usual. And joining me this week is the, should I say, illustrious Mr. Jonathan Potts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the, the show, illuminating. <laughs> illuminating. Thanks, pal. Thanks, pal. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, too. So, Jonathan, you are an actor. You have done... I was actually looking at your resume the other day because somebody... You came up in conversation because I told said I was doing this. And uh, they're like, oh, what does he do? And so I'm like going down the list. I'm like, he says this and that. I'm like, you have a huge resume. You've got a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, I've been at it. Uh, I've been at it for quite a while. You're right. I actually did an interview with a woman from uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And, and she says, your resume is quite extensive. But, you know, that's just typical of a lot of, you know, working actors that, you know, sometimes people think, yeah, he's, I think I know him. He's a little familiar. And then they look at the resume and they're like, wow, like he's worked a ton. It's because, yep. you know, I'm just a working actor and I've been at it a long time, yep. you know, so it just adds up over the ages. Well, if, and if you look Jonathan up on IMDb, you go down the list, you'd probably be like, I've seen that and I've seen that and I've seen that and I've heard of that and I've heard of that. And I'm not sure about that one, but it sounds cool. And like, you know, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, uh, a little bit of backstory here. Back on, I think I think it's episode four, I had Cynthia Preston on the show, who is a friend of yours, and you guys did The Legend of Zelda together, so I had her on as, you know, the voice of Zelda, and now I have the other side of that coin as you as the voice of Link. Sweet. <laughs> so I, I did, her, t- her episode was called Excuse Me, Princess, and I think I'll, I'll actually flip that one and call call this one way to go hero <laughs> that's right i was gonna say she stole my line yeah well it, it was it was just a nice little flip back and forth there I, I, had i known actually at the time i could change the name of the episode but like i didn't nah. know that i would get this chance so right no keep episode. it the way it is yeah oh, i actually i actually saw cynthia what was it two days ago oh, i yeah. went by to sign some more pictures oh cool for her because she had to she had an wanted to give an autograph picture to some fan so i swung by her house and signed that for her so that's awesome she's a good lady she's awesome and wonderful and she got me well when you uh, you were gone but the last day at the convention we did she gave as a thank you from you guys gave me a little stuffed squirrel and tipped me quite well and i was not expecting that it was pretty awesome (laughs) yeah very good very good and i believe i believe that was from both of you so thank you for Mm -hmm. that you're quite welcome yeah so anyways, yeah, it's great to have you on the show. You, like I said, you, you were the voice of Link on Zelda, but you've done plenty of other things. As far as the, the like, I guess, geeky side of stuff, you have been on The Strain in recent memory. You have yep. done Jason X. And uh, yeah, which I didn't know, too, when you brought that up in the, the panel that we did. 
So right. Pretty awesome. Actually, here, let me DB. I'll bring you up on IMDb real quick because I just go down this list and count off the things. Be like, yep, that that fits into the show. <laughs> but you've also you've done some other cartoon work and stuff as well. So uh, anything? Yeah. I think I don't know if you're allowed to talk about the stuff you're working on right now. Or... Yeah, I I think I can. It's it's uh, the the one I'm working on right now is called Rusty Rivets. Right. And it's uh, it's for little kids. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a little kid cartoon. It'll be on Nickelodeon. And uh, ironically, I just got an email today from the the producer. Okay. Maybe she was an administrator with the cartoon, just giving me uh, an update on what's going on and she gave me the dates and I will read them to you uh, deliver da, 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 launch in November of 2016 oh, cool. so uh, on uh, Nickelodeon in the US and uh, Treehouse in Canada yeah and it's a little kids cartoon it's uh, it's about a, a kid called Rusty and he can you know solve all kinds of problems by using mechanics you know basically inventing little machines and stuff like that so not not the nerdiest of cartoons but uh, I think it's gonna be quite sweet Animation in general is always, always been a huge passion of mine. So, like, regardless of what the project is, I find that super interesting and fun. And, uh, like, voice acting is what got me into acting in the first place. It's, like, my favorite ah. thing. And part of the reason why I started the show is just so I could use my voice a bit more and do kind of my own thing like that. So, Good idea. Good yeah. idea. Yeah, it's a, it is a lot of fun. And I was a huge fan of cartoons myself. I mean, I guess I don't know of many kids that say, no, I don't like cartoons. I think everyone loves them. But I, I did have a special passion for them as well. And particularly, you know, the Warner Brothers stuff, uh, Looney Tunes mm. oh, that, yeah. were, that were way before my time. I mean, I, you know, they were from the, the some of them, the 50s and 60s, certainly. Um, so I, they were old when I watched them, but they were just so fantastic. And even the, the stuff that's being done now is unbelievable the, the features that are being produced and believe me i wish i was in on them if i could uh, get into one of those big uh, you know disney or pixar things it, what what all that would be a thrill of a lifetime for me oh, man. Um, I, you know it yeah it would be huge but I, i'm a fan of cartoons as well and i enjoy i enjoy doing all of them oh yeah i i would kill to be in well in anything really but if one of those big pixar shows or something like that or it too, I, I've always wanted to do like anime dubbing and stuff too. I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, I I did do a ton. Of, I, I in fact I was one of the early guys in on that. I, I think I may have told you that I was when uh, Sailor Moon was being done by oh, yeah. Deke. Well, Deke was the Deke. company that did. Yeah, Deke <laughs> was the company that did Legend of Zelda and and what? Oh, uh, Beverly Hills Teens that I was in. That was my first cartoon. Yeah. Um, and when they got the gig to dub all of that uh, Japanese stuff, I got the call because I was sort of their guy, you know, because I did the the young teenage thing. So I went in to do Tuxedo Mask, but they 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 didn't like it. I mean, I did a, an episode or two, and then they recast me with I think Reno Romano may have done them after me, or maybe Reno was first. I honestly don't remember but they went through reno and i and then they went to uh, vince carazza i believe and then toby uh, after that but i did that but even before then there was a company that did this it's called a rhythmo band is the technique and it was very technical mm -hmm. so what if you can imagine imagine you know if you put on a movie projector and it's just a white screen so you're looking at the bright white light well imagine that screen is long and thin so it's two feet wide and it's 10 feet long mm -hmm. and it's in front of you in a dark room and what they literally do is they had a person write in cursive on empty film stock so that the film is actually running sideways and it's all blank so they write cursive and 
then it runs across. So it runs across the screen, and when it hits the left edge of the screen, or I'll say a line, that's when you pronounce those words. And that's how those cartoons were done. Mm -hmm. So you had to read the rhythmo band and move your lips and say the words as it was crossing over that line. So they timed it best they could to try and match English to the Japanese. But I did, I did some Japanese feature films, like live action feature oh, no films that way. Yeah, I did. There was a French Canadian TV series that I dubbed into English. All on the rhythmo band, and it was the kind of thing that was—it、um, was a real technical skill, and it was really hard to do. So by the time Sailor Moon came along, and、uh, what was some of the other ones I did? Right, be in front of you, I think. What are the little cats? What were they? Samurai Pizza Cats. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that one. Before that, there was one.、Uh, I forget the name of it, but that was all done with this rhythmo band technique, and.、Uh, It was it was it was hard. It was you had to concentrate on what you're doing. It was much more difficult than doing like a Legend of Zelda, where、yeah. we just had a script and it was more like a radio play,、yeah. where you perform it with energy. Come on, guys! Yeah, we're gonna do it. You couldn't do that with the rhythmo band because you'd say that and then they say, no, you're way out of sync. You got to slow it down and start here and make sure you finish here. I was like, oh, jeez. Yeah. So, so it was it was way more work. Did you mean the the cats from Sailor Moon, or was there a show about cats that you? No. What was the、uh, little Hello Kitty? Oh, Hello Kitty. Yeah, yeah. Hello Kitty. That was yeah, my yeah.、So、next guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. So I、uh, I wasn't a regular in that series, but I did do a couple of episodes of it. But that stuff was all done、uh, with a rhythmo band. So do you did the episodes that you did make it to the actual airing episodes, or did they completely redo them with the new cast? I think they completely redid them only because there's no now. Maybe if I went to IMDb and put the credit in myself, but you won't find me in the credits uh, for uh, Sailor Moon.、Oh, yeah. So I sus I suspect they just redid it.、Oh, okay, yeah, you know, it would, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It would have taken the next, you know, like Vince, you know, a half an hour to redo an episode or forty five minutes or an hour, whatever it was. So it's not like it's a big deal to have someone come in and redo it. Right. Well, the the fact that you even. You know, were in that room and and worked on that show, even though it didn't make it. Like that's a that's a pretty big deal in the well, like fandom、yeah. community. <laughs> oh well, yeah, and and but you have to understand at the time, these were obscure Japanese cartoons、right. that were different looking from anything that we had seen. Like I remember going in looking at Sailor Moon with what was her name?、Uh, Marcia Goodman was the like a VP at Deke. And she, when I went in to first do say,、um, Tuxedo Mask, she's like, "Okay, this is this cartoon. It's, it's really cool." And sort of doing the setup, and we watched a bit of it, and I was like, "Holy smoke! This is bizarre!" Yeah, it was not, nothing we'd seen before, and I wasn't even sure if I liked it. I thought, "I think it's cool, but is it? I'm not really sure." So when we were doing this gig, you know, revoicing this for the North American market, essential essentially, I remember thinking. I don't know if this is going to fly.、Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if American kids and Canadian kids are going to like this. There, there's a lot of a that、big. sentiment back then. Oh,、there's、of course, and and it, and they. But you know, so when I when I got the, you know, when I heard that I was replaced, it was like, oh, oh well, it doesn't matter. Now, if I had known that, oh my gosh, it was going to be turned into this big deal where you'd go to conventions and make a lot of money and thousands of people would line up, that would have been. That would have been <laughs> much more pressure,、uh, but literally at the time it was like, oh well, favorite play, okay, whatever, some weird cartoon. So I don't think anyone had 
other than maybe the people at Deke, right. you know, because they knew how how popular the cartoons were in Japan. I'm guessing, so they said, "No, we've got to we've got to get on this bandwagon." Yeah, I'm well, guessing. Well, I think Sailor Moon was one of my first animes that I was introduced to as a kid. So, like like Sailor Moon, Pokemon, and Dragon Ball Z were probably some of the most early things for me. And which kind of spread out, and I, you can actually see my in my background here. I got Goku, and Vegeta, right. um, but I, yeah. and I've got some Sailor Moon stuff floating around here somewhere. And I, I've got um, some of the original Tokyo Pop like comic books as well, not the mangas, like the actual Sailor Moon comics, which has still to this day, in my opinion, some of the most beautiful manga art that exists. Mm. But yeah, and I actually tried to rewatch Sailor Moon recently, and it's it's a little rough. It's yeah. tough. but they they did. Uh, they remade it recently, um, and uh, or I don't know if it's a remake or if Sailor Moon Crystal, if it's like a continuation. I'm not sure. I didn't actually, I haven't sat down to watch it, you know, which is might be sacrilege in the fandom community, but um, I've heard <laughs> it's very good. Right, so. right. I just remembered that I did some Beyblade. Oh, yeah. I did some episodes of Beyblade, too, because I can remember the, 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 the fight scenes, you know, where they had these these things going into fight and and uh it was always like a stadium with a hundred thousand people in it and i i do remember that now this popped back into my head so i have you know what i'm not even sure if it's on imdb but uh that was from nelvana wasn't it that wasn't deep or because yeah you know what now i don't know if they did it then no you know i don't i don't recall it may have been uh it may have been nelvana Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't remember I I've never personally never gotten super into. I mean, it's it's cool that you did that. But I've never been into Beyblade, but I do know some people who like have been super into it in the past. I I know a friend of mine used to do like actual Beyblade tournaments, and he had a YouTube channel about it and everything. Yeah, that's funny. I remember my boys playing. They had a, a Beyblade game, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, this is just battling tops." Yeah, when I was a little kid. It was battling tops. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think I I think I have one. I bought one at one point because I had a friend who really liked it and he wanted me to play with him. So I mm-hmm. went out and bought one and like I think we played maybe once or twice and then it found its way into a box somewhere. But I'm sure yeah. I have it floating around here somewhere. That's but, funny. Yeah, I don't I don't really throw out stuff like that, so I'm sure. It's right here. <laughs> hey, hey, hold on to it. What the hell? Yeah. So I guess to get into some more recent stuff. And we can go, we'll probably go back to Zelda at some point, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, I don't know if you want to talk about Tom Bravo at all. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, it was a good laugh. I don't think Cindy uh, would like to, but. <laughs> let, let me ask you, what were you thinking? Uh, <laughs> little inside joke for you there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. We had a good time, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got a funny story if you want to hear it. Oh, yeah. And this is what's and your listeners will I guess they'll have to hear the Con Bravo story to sort of put it into perspective. But, you know, as a as an actor who is just a working actor, you know, I'm not a I'm not a star. I do get recognized every once in a while. But the quite often when someone does recognize me or even if they don't, but they say, what do you do for a living? And I say, oh, I'm an actor. The first thing out of their mouth is, well, what have you been in? Mm-hmm. And I'll list off. I could list off 10 things that, of course, they've never seen. And they look at me like I have two heads, like, okay, you're not really an actor or whatever. And I'm constantly sort of defending it, saying, well, no, I am an actor. I do this and I do that. But yes, you don't know who I am, but whatever. And um, it gets to the point where, and I may have told you this story, where if I'm at a party or something and someone says, what do you do? do?" I say, I'm in advertising. Because sometimes I do do a lot of advertising. I do voiceover, radio and TV commercial voiceover. So I just say, and that kind of ends this discussion. But if I say I'm an actor, it's like, oh, well, how come I haven't seen you before? And how come I don't, you know, I know 
George Clooney. How come I don't know you? That, that <laughs> sort of thing. So my funny story is that ties into the Con Bravo thing is one night I had to go pick up my son. He was playing hockey and he had a practice late at night and I went to pick him up and they went a little late. So I stood there by myself. It was probably 1130 and the night cleaner came by to chat with me. And I have to imagine the night cleaner at a public hockey arena, you know, missing a few teeth kind of greasy hair, cap on sideways that said John Deere or something on the top. And he's looked at me and he goes, you're that actor guy, aren't you? Because I guess people had said, oh, there's an actor that, you know, his dad, you know, his son plays hockey. I said, yeah, that's me. And he proceeded to tell me about how uh, acting was a terrible profession and that he thought of getting into it. But he told me, he said, you know, there's no career there, though, right? And, <laughs> and I automatically just laugh and go, yeah, you're right. It's very tough. And then I'm like, wait a minute. The night cleaning guy at a hockey arena is telling me like that he avoided the, the pitfalls of a crappy career and <laughs> went with uh, night cleaning at the arena. But that's the kind of abuse that actually happens like people say incredibly rude things even though they're not meaning to they just like oh you know it must be tough being a failed actor because i'm not george clooney yeah so the con bravo thing and i said this to cynthia so that your listeners understand uh you know cynthia and i went to this we were invited to this con bravo thing the the coordinator thought that we would be quite popular and we thought well why not we've never done one before and we're willing to give it a shot and maybe there's some people that do want to meet us uh, so we did it, and it turns out that wasn't true at all, that no one really cared, that the, the crowd was a little young, the cartoon was too old, and they were all a lot of cosplay kids, so they were more into gaming and dressing up than actual cartoons. Mm -hmm. So it was fine, but at the end of the night, as we were sort of going to the, par the bar to drown our sorrows, a conventioneer came up to us and said, I have a question for you. We said, yes. He said, what were you thinking? And we both kind of paused and thought, like, what do you mean? What were we thinking by coming to the convention? He couldn't mean that. He must mean, what were we thinking when we did the cartoon? Well, it turns out he meant, what were we thinking when we did the cartoon? That it was a terrible cartoon and that it, it was sort of offensive to the gamers, that it had nothing to do with the game. And we we're like, oh, that's perfect. That was the perfect end of the evening. <laughs> it was much like the, the night cleaner saying, there's no career there. And we're like, yeah. So Cindy and I went to the bar and had a few drinks. I find that sentiment so funny about that too, is because like, yeah, sure, maybe now it's a little, it's kind of a hokey cartoon, but like if you, at the time, all cartoons were pretty much just like that. And Zelda, I mean, the first Zelda did really well, but it didn't have quite the cult following that it does now. So it's like, at the time, it's just like, oh cool, they made a Zelda cartoon, you know, that's great. And I remember as a kid, like, I loved the Zelda cartoon, I loved Captain N, I loved the Mario stuff, because like, that stuff wasn't as readily available as it is now. So the fact that it existed at all was like, yeah. amazing. Like, I think about it all the time, like when I was a kid, especially about like Pokemon, for example, Pokemon now is fucking everywhere you yeah. can't go into a game store a toy store a, a mall like you find pokemon stuff at stores that are not even like claire's and stuff like that you can go in and find pokemon stuff when i was a kid like you'd be lucky if you could find anything at walmart or anything like that like right now like then there was a set run of toys some very specific things like they had some plushies they had some bouncy balls maybe a board game or two and then there were the games and that was it like now there's there's socks there's clothing lines there's uh toys of all kinds there's board games there's a million different video games and spinoffs like there's so much more to this ip than there used to be and like back then when it came to like quote-unquote nerd stuff there there wasn't a lot to do with it and if you found anything like it was amazing i remember being in a store one time 
as a kid, and I found Donkey Kong Country socks. I had Donkey Kong and and uh, oh, what's the swordfish's name? I can't think of his name right now. Um, Ungard, the swordfish. And I was like, uh, this course. is the coolest thing I've ever found in my whole life. I have to have these socks. Like, I, right. I'll never find anything this cool again. You know, yeah. and that's what it was like then. <laughs> well, at the time, I remember when the cartoon was on. It was quite popular. Mm-hmm. Like the the get the little kids then, my my two nieces included, and and uh, you know it was a popular cartoon because it was on the air. That's it. Yeah. And it was and it was a little different from anything they'd seen before. Mm-hmm. And was it a great cartoon? No, not by not by any stretch. It was a real, you know, those days, the eighties were kind of the dark years in terms of the quality of animation. Yeah. They really were cranking cranking out uh, stuff. It was all for toys. And the, the artistry in terms of the cartoons was, it, it really was, took the backseat. They, they were not good cartoons. There's no argument about that. Not like nowadays. I mean, even, the, you know, the regular cartoons that you see now, and maybe it's to do with the computer animation, but still, there's artistry yeah. in many of the cartoons that are on now. Some of the, whether it's the writing, if the animation's not great, the writing is fantastic, um, or vice versa. It doesn't matter. There, but there was not a lot of care put, taken and put into these things, so I get it. But at the time, they were pretty popular. Yeah. And you know what? For people that are in their early thirties, you know that it might be a little, it'll be more familiar to them and have a little more of a, a soft spot for them. Yeah. I think at Con Bravo, that crowd was a little younger. Yeah. Well, I, I went back and looked at because like you guys did, you blew up the the social media pages. But then I went back and looked at who was posting, and it was all the older crowd, and a lot of the ones that were posting didn't come to the convention. Right. And then there were a lot of people I noticed, too, that were like, oh, I wish so much that I could be there, but I'm in Florida or something, you know? <laughs> right, like, yeah. yeah. And it was, on a, it was a long weekend, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, so the whole timing was, was you know, whatever. It was yeah. fine. Well, nor- I had fun. Normally the con is the weekend before that one, too, so that definitely probably had something to do with the crowd yeah. being sm- I thought that the, there wasn't as many people as there was before, so... Right, yeah. right. Oh, well, it was still fun. Yeah. It was it was a good time. And, you know, in ter- and really, honestly, I said to Cynthia, I said, that guy at the end, he was perfect. Like that, ju- <laughs> that just sort of, it, it was the bow on top of the package, right? Yeah. So that was fine. Well, that it- was fine. If you, like, speaking of the quality and stuff, though, if you line up Zelda with, like, the big shows of the time, like Transformers and He-Man and G.I. Joe, like, the quality on those shows that are cult classics are not much better than, like, like, given that, like, the Transformers movie was phenomenal and it's still good animation and stuff, but if you look at the actual series, like, the quality drops drastically. Yeah. Because the budget wasn't there. No, you know? they just they just didn't they just crank them crank them out as fast as they could. Yeah. No, they were terrible. Yeah. No, there's no there's no doubt about it. I did uh, I was in Swamp Thing too back then. I think we only did one season. I played Delbert, and uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I knew it at the time because I like I said I mean compared to like a, a Bugs Bunny or Daffy or any of those uh, or even and I have to, I'm getting confused on the timeline now but uh, like a Ren and Stimpy. You know, or even in that time uh, period, uh, they they didn't they didn't compare. Yeah, well, but it was what it was. They're they're indicative of the time. It's so. really hard to compare anything to Ren and Stimpy though, because that's like next level. That's like yes. that's its own thing. Like nobody else has ever even done that since. So like that's right. a different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you watched any Rick and Morty? Oh my God, yes, I love Rick and like, Morty. So Rick and Morty is like at another level, right? Oh it's, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's so fantastic. Yeah, I just read yesterday that 
what's this, is it Dan? Or one of the guys who makes that show. Uh, Dan Harmon? Yeah, Dan Harmon, or there's there's two of them. Justin yeah. Roylan? Is that his name? Right. Yeah. Yep. He, they just founded a, a VR game studio called uh, like Squanchin Games or something like that. It's like, Squ you know, I am Squanchin here. So oh, they, cool. they made a, because he's obsessed with VR. And so they're like, they're getting into this realm. I'm like, that's really cool. I can't wait to see what they come up with. No kidding. Oh. No, that will be awesome. Yeah, those guys are brilliant. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, yeah, a, those, that's a great cartoon. There are, there are a few people like them that have come around. Like once in a generation, you get them. Like they, I think they're probably our Ren and Stimpy of the time. Right. right. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, somebody who quoted said recently that he thinks that those guys are some of the funniest guys on the planet right now, and I'd be like, yeah, you're pro yeah, probably. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I still love Family Guy. Oh yeah. You know, Simpsons is still funny, but Family Guy is incredible. Uh, I love the um, uh, Archer, mm -hmm. uh, that series as well. Like that's that's so funny. Bob's Burgers, love it too. Yeah, I love H. John Benjamin. That guy's amazing. Yes, he's hilarious. Yeah yeah just great like what a voice you know like it's and it's not even put on it's just him yeah but he's one of those voices he just talks and you start laughing yeah oh yeah he's amazing you know? yeah he is i um i wanted to mention on again for this probably last bit about quality of animation but i rewatch i went to rewatch thundercats recently and oh. it's it's brutal to watch <laughs> like it's pretty <laughs> rough and so like I guess on the final note of the whole, like, oh, what were you thinking on that show? It was so bad. It's like, yeah, everything was bad back then. Well, you that's know? it. But That's it. But given it's produced a lot of, like, they remade Thundercats recently, and it was phenomenal. Like, it was really well done. And I, oh, I mean, cool. I still love all these old cartoons and stuff, too. Like, I love, there's a special place in my heart for, you know, Thundercats and all these shows. And, you know, the characters that everybody hates, like, snarf, snarf, snarf. Well, I, you know, call the Thundercats. And... <laughs> I guess I, I have an affinity for characters that people hate. Like, I love Snarf, and I love Slimer, and I love these characters that nobody else does. Right. That's yeah. funny. Well, you know, do you, uh, just as you maybe think of this, do you remember, it's before your time, but Thunderbirds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember Thunderbirds? The, Thunderbirds the spy thing? Yeah. Now, that show, I can remember watching that, because it was a little before my time. Like, I remember, and it's funny, I'd completely kind of forgotten about that cartoon mm -hmm. until someone until I saw it online or someone talked about it and I was like oh wait a minute I remember watching that with my dad it was the only time I ever watched a morning cartoon quote-unquote show with my father and he got quite a kick out of it and it was puppets and they were crudely done like it wasn't you know it was it was a puppet show but boy I remember loving it mm -hmm. and it and it kind of still holds up right yeah well I mean the 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 puppets and the stuff they did in that show like are are so well like this their just style is really good and like that's right it's one of that's one of those types of shows that will never not hold up because the writing in that show is pretty good too oh, and yeah. like the characters and the ships and everything are so cool um i actually i hadn't heard of that show until i was in high school because they started showing it on tech tv back when it was still tech tv uh. And then okay. I'm like, this is what is, they had it. It was a late night show too, at like eleven o'clock time slot. It was weird, but like right. I remember watching that show. I'm like, this is interesting. I've never even heard of this. And then like looking into it, I'm like, oh, this show's been around forever. How do I not know what this is? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I think it was. I mean, I'm guessing about this, but it was kind of in the vein of Star Trek, right? Yeah. It wasn't for kids. It was a, it was a full on sci fi show. Yep. But with puppets. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yep. Um, much like what was the name of the movie that the 
the Trey Parker did with the puppets. Team America. Team America. Yeah, yeah. it was like they uh, clearly they were influenced, right? They oh, yeah. they loved it as well. So I I've, I've heard rumor. I don't know if it's true, but they've been talking about either doing a, a remake series or a movie or something of Thunderbirds, or maybe I. I heard I the same thing. True, but yeah, I heard the same thing. Yeah, that cool. would be cool. Yeah. So to get into some more recent stuff, in the last few years, you've worked on The Strain, which is a, my my dad is super into that show. And, oh, is he? Um, yeah, yeah. And so I told him when I got back. You know, I was like, hey, and you know, I know you love a show. I, I made a friend who was in it. He's like, oh, who was he? And I told him, he's like, I remember that, and he gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, violently. Yeah. That, that yes. whole show's pretty violent. Like, yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah. It's but pretty gruesome. That's And that's pretty much all. I think that whole. Is any of that filmed outside of Toronto? Or is it all Toronto? Uh, it's all Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they go uh, anywhere else. Uh, the main studio, it's such a big show. I think they've taken up a few different places. I worked at uh, the studio was uh, down at Kipling, mm-hmm. uh, Kipling and Lakeshore. And then we were on location, the hospital, where, uh, for your listeners, I played the pilot, uh, Captain Redfern, who flies the the original jumbo jet that carries the bad demon seed into Manhattan. So I play the the, the pilot, and uh, when I end up in the hospital, that was done at Bridgepoint, but the rest of the stuff was all studio stuff. And um, I have an actory story for you about that. It, when I, I got the audition, and it turns out that the audition, and this is quite common, where if they want to see you, if they want to see what you look like and how you act and the way you, the way you are, is that sometimes they won't even give you the sides, uh, meaning the sides, meaning pieces of the script. Right. Usually when you get an audition, they lift a scene or two or three or four. Or sometimes they make up fake scenes. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is that the one I got was a fake one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know that, but I but the, the scene I got was essentially a big monologue where the, the doctor in the hospital is recovering from... The accident. And when I say accident, let me go back a bit. So you're given a little bit of information, but quite often they don't tell you the whole story because they don't want it leaked. Right. right? They don't tell you the whole story, but they just say, you're auditioning for the captain of an airliner. There's been an incident and everyone on board is dead and you survived and uh, you're in the hospital. That's it. So, and then I'm given this big, like there's an interview scene with uh, Corey Stahl and and, uh, whatever her name was. And where I'm telling about what happened while I was doing this and then, uh, you know, then this happened and and I just want to find out what happened and get me to the end of this. And then they say, do you remember what was the last thing you remember? And he says, I don't really remember anything. I was coming in for final approach. And then I say and they're about to leave and I say, oh, I do remember one thing. And they say, what's that? Well, then I have this big monologue and I talk about how when I was a little boy and I used to stay at my grandmother's house and it was right beside this this cemetery and every night at three in the morning oh and she had this big armoire in her room now remember in the plane there was a big big case that had the bad guy in it so there was this big armoire and every night at three in the morning the church bell would chime and then i'd look at this armoire and this hand would come out of the the thing with long bony hand and i called him mr you know mr snakeskin or something and he would come out and he would and it was quite terrifying and then and they'd say that's it and i say well i'm telling you you know he's uh, the only thing I can say is that he's back. So I did this monologue, and, and the guy who's running the audition says, that was great. That, he goes, but just so you know, um, the pilot is not, the plane didn't crash. The plane lands safely, 
but everyone is dead. Like the pilot passes out, the pl the plane lands, and so I'm like, oh well, wait a minute. I assumed that the plane crashed, so that I'm in the hospital. So as an actor, I'm playing the scene. I'm in I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. I've got all kinds of injuries. I can't. It's hard to breathe. Right. I'm 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 racked with guilt because I crashed the plane and killed 300 people. And he, and when he explained this to me, I'm like, oh, oh, that's totally different. Like that means he's he's confused. He's he's puzzled and he wants to answers to things like you know that and he says well to do it again so i did it again but i didn't really have time to process all that so i did the scene again and then i left and i thought that was the worst audition i've ever done that was terrible like <laughs> that's I had, when you get I, a callback every time right. well i didn't even get a callback i got the gig oh wow. i didn't even go in to meet guillermo like i just got it from the audition and i was like oh my god like i nearly called the casting director to apologize <laughs> for that for that piece of shit to say look i i was confused i didn't know I assumed he was dead or you know hurt, but anyway, that's how I got the gig for that. Yeah. And then, then of course, the, there was no monologue in the script. It was all just fake that they that they wrote. You know, what I was gonna say uh, probably why that they you did that is the fact that like you read it one way, they're like, okay, it's actually like this, and then you're like, oh, immediately get it and flipped it, and then they saw that they see that whole range in one go, and they're yeah. like, this is our guy. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they say, you know what, this guy made a good adjustment there, or uh, or, or whatever. And um, I know Guillermo likes me. Uh, when we worked together, he shot the pilot, and then they had other directors uh, for the other two episodes. Mm -hmm. um, he he quite liked me, and he was telling people that he thought I was a very good actor. And in fact, I just auditioned for him again. He's doing a new film called The Shape of Water, oh, cool. and uh, I didn't get the part. Uh, a, a guy I've known for many many years, uh, I, I know him. He did get it. But I auditioned with Guillermo and the producer Miles Dale, and he loved it. He was like, "Jonathan, that was a very good audition. Like, you're that's great. You're really good." So I know he, I was being considered. So yeah, you know what? It's it's nice to know that Guillermo's a bit of a fan that he thinks I'm good, but it still, you know, doesn't mean you're going to get that gig. Yeah, well, it's I mean, it, it just means that he might every time he does a project, he might call you again every time he thinks he has something for you. That's you know? right. That's, that's right so that might be keep, lead to something even better down the road yeah keep rolling the dice that's all i can do you know but um but that was a that was a cool show it was uh it was a lot of fun and and certainly gruesome and i got to meet sean astin yeah we'll talk about mention the ultimate. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh he played uh a guy who uh, i end up having a big fight with down in the kitchen and we have a big battle and i throw him over a table and <clears throat> and then ultimately i get my head bashed in with the fire extinguisher but what a thrill it was. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings series. Mm -hmm. And um, so to get right to in work, around these parts. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And to get right to get right in uh, with with him and, and get the chance to, uh, you know, we spent three days, I think, shooting that final my my death scene, uh, ultimately. And, um, you know, we just spent a lot of time chatting and talking. And uh, I asked him a lot of questions about Lord of the Rings and. And interestingly, I don't know if I told you this before, Aaron, but one of the first gigs I did when I was, I may have been 15, I don't even know if I was old enough to drive, I was an extra in a movie that his mom starred in, Patty Duke. Oh, cool. And he remembered that. He's like, oh, I remember that movie. Oh, my God. You were in that. He was so, he just thought that is so amazing. Now, what I didn't know at the time was that his mom was actually very sick. Because mm -hmm. you remember she just passed away. Uh, I don't know, six months ago, seven months ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, so he would have been dealing with her illness at the time. But uh, yeah, so it, it was it was neat for me to give him something to be excited about in a small way, as opposed to just him, you know, having me nerd out so much. But 
Yeah, very nice guy. For all you fans of uh, Lord of the Rings and Sean Astin, very nice guy. Very nice guy. He's definitely on my list of actors that I would love to meet, but you know, eventually, if I could ever work with, it would be amazing. Just because, I mean, he's an amazing actor. He's a cool guy. He's been in so much awesome stuff and involved in so many cool things. And like uh, the Goonies, for sure, as well, which is like right. uh, film was filmed here in my home state, which is awesome. Cool. And yeah, uh, he would be. I, I I have briefly met Elijah Wood and a couple of the other cast members. You know, I went to the red carpet of the Hobbit Battle of Five Armies, so I got to see, you know, a bunch of, including Ian McKellen, which was being cool. next, being next to that man is like you can feel it, like standing. I there. bet you're like this is you're not mortal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, someone, someone like him, like he's on another planet, right? Because yeah. not only is not only is he a slash movie star, and then Gandalf, for God's sake, yeah. like such an iconic, huge character. But he's also like a massive theater actor mm-hmm. with huge respect from everyone. Like he's a he's a real actor mm-hmm. as opposed to just a movie star. And believe me, you know you've met him and I've met him. There are movie stars and there's actors, mm-hmm. uh, and he's both. So that would have been a thrill, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. There, I I met you know I got to see several people from that show and mo- pretty much everybody, you know even the up and coming guys. Like you, it's a different level when it when they're in something like that. Like. You know, I mean, of course, like Cumber- Benedict Cumberbatch was there, and you know, Orlando Bloom and all these guys. It's just a different feeling, you know, than like you yep. know when I'm acting with my other friends and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, well, there's some, it's something, it's something about the the combination of all of the above. Yeah. That just gives you this sense of gravitas. You know what? I had an experience. I shot a film. Uh, what was it called? I can't remember now, but I got to work with. Gregory Hines, F. Murray Abraham, and who was the uh, Judd Hirsch? So there was those three guys in one room. But I remember being in awe of F. Murray Abraham because when I was in theater school, I also took a film class, and we watched Amadeus in that film class. And I remember watching that film and just being blown away by f murray abraham like he was head and shoulders above anything i'd ever seen and i just remember thinking oh my god that guy is so good and he's good in everything since so when i got to meet him and i had to work with him that was probably the most i'd been not intimidated isn't the word i wasn't intimidated but kind of in awe and and he's not a big man you know he's the same size as me he's not a big dude but i'll tell you man when the cameras rolled holy shit he was like seven feet tall yeah just just i've heard the same thing friends of mine that worked with russell crowe um said that when the, you know after action he there's just he just becomes this monster of an actor like something happens where you're just like oh, oh my god and you know i don't i don't have that I, I certainly don't now unless you know if i was to you know luckily get some really awesome role in some big movie that you would begin to take that on but that's what you need like you need a a career of doing massive awesome roles and then it just becomes a part of who you are and uh it is it's kind of hard to explain unless you've seen it and you sounds like you've seen it like you've been beside him mm-hmm. uh you know you've been beside gandalf and you're like wow yeah well it's, you, know? I, you can feel you know it's like you're gandalf but you're more than that kind of thing like yeah yeah it's oh yeah you can feel a buddy of mine, everything about him 
Yeah, a buddy of mine who is uh, is named Nelson Ferrara. He's a post production sound uh, supervisor. He has a film company, a sound company called Sound Dogs, and he um, he was uh, in a facility once, and he said Nicole Kidman came walking in, and he said the air went cold, like it not not in a bad way, like, <clears throat> but he just said everything froze. Like she, she was tall, stunningly gorgeous, movie star, had high heels on, but he just said she was unbelievably awesome. And she's a great actress too. Yeah. Um, but he, he said, yeah, it was, it was incredible. There's something about some movie stars. You, know? I, you mentioned with uh, Russell Crowe and how like the cameras roll and he just like he turns it on and he goes and it's like he becomes a monster and actors like that where it's like, and Ian McKellen has said this too. He's like, before the camera rolls, I'm Suri and Suri and Suri and Suri and the camera turns on and I'm Gandalf. You shall Gandalf. not pass. And then they just right. cut and then I'm back to Suri. And that's the type of acting that I really respect. Because uh, like you get, you hear stories about like in recent, recently like Jared Leto's Joker where he was like sending people rats and doing all these really dumb things and embodying like method stuff. And I'm like, that to me is not really acting. Like if you yeah. can't turn it off and on and you have to be in that. I mean, there are some I, there are some stories where actors have done really cool things like on the Lord of the Rings one of the dwarves even out off camera kept talking in this like dwarven accent through the whole set until he was wrapped and then he he was American and he dropped into his American thing they're like why are you putting on that weird accent he's like no 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 this is my real accent and they're like no it's not and he's like yeah it is and like I find that hilarious and awesome but then right. some people take it a little too far you know <laughs> yeah well I'd heard that uh, Vigo was a bit like that yeah. that he you know wasn't showering for days upon time and that you know people were like oh god I gotta work with you <laughs> you know like you're, you're smelling pretty bad um uh, I'd heard a story uh, about about Dustin Hoffman when he was doing um, Marathon Man with uh, Laurence Olivier. Right. I think it was Marathon Man. And, uh, you know, where's the, the, the torture scene and all that kind of stuff. And he, where Dustin Hoffman was trying to stay in character, trying to, you know, like trying to be you know, like, I'm going to stay doing this, I'm going to do this. And, and I think Olivier was getting annoyed. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm trying to stay, you know, I've got to maintain this. And he said, why don't you just act it, my boy? Yeah. And and it really was like, oh, if that's a Laurence Olivier telling me to, you know, like one of the greatest actors of all time, just to say, you know, act it, like turn it on. And there was a great clip I saw of um, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Who was it? Not Jody, but the guy who was in Silence of the Lambs. Here, let's look it up. I have the internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oops. Why can't I think of who it is? of the lambs your listeners are yelling out his name yeah probably it's him you idiots do, 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 do. do you know the character's name yeah it's uh, hannibal yeah no no, no. yeah uh, anthony hopkins anthony hopkins uh, thank i could you. see his face but i couldn't think of his name <clears throat> so anthony hopkins i believe he won the oscar right. for that film where he is you know down in the the jail cell and he's, he's super chilling and he's just like looking straight at the character and not doing it's all with his eyes he's doing classic film acting and i saw a, it was either a clip or someone describing it to me i can't remember now but he was literally on set reading a book and they'd be like okay everyone rolling okay sound speed and and he put the book down action and then he'd, he'd do his scene and they cut and he'd go back to his book mm -hmm. like he was literally turning it on to do to do the scene and then turning it off was not caught up in the whole 
you know, staying in character and all that. He had that because acting, you know, there is certainly emotion involved. You have to bring your emotions to the table because there are scenes like in this, like the film I just did, we'll get to it with Anon that I did with Clive, Clive Owen. You know, I have to cry. I have to, my son, I just witnessed my son's death and I have to sit in front of Clive Owen and break into tears. You know, you have to draw upon your emotions to do that. But for a lot of it, <clears throat> it's also very technical. There's mechanics involved and looking at a certain place. And, you know, you go online, there's a great, uh, several clips uh, by who's the other British actor? <clears throat> well, there's only four of them, so. Yeah, there's only four of them. <laughs> there's well, John they... Heard. Uh... <laughs> Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Michael Caine. Okay. So if you go on YouTube and look at film acting technique with Michael Caine, he, taught, he gives seminars on acting for film, and it's quite brilliant. And it's all mechanics. It's all look at, you know, if the camera's on this side and you're doing a scene with that person, look at that eye because it's closest to the lens. Right. Uh, don't blink. When it's your close-up, you don't blink. And little things like that. Just brilliant. I, I definitely, taking film courses and whatnot, that's probably where some of my teachers got their uh, information from because I remember <laughs> that very specific thing, cheating your eyes out to the camera mm -hmm. <clears throat> at the right moments, you know, being aware of yep. what's at. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so we are, we have about 10 minutes left. We're getting towards the tail end of the show here. Okay. And man, there's so many things that, you know, we could still go on about. Um, quick, 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 pick something. <laughs> Jesus, what were you thinking, Jonathan? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm never going to forget that. Like, yeah, when I came neither. up to you and you told me, he said, I'm like, what did he say to, what he, did he's he like, say to yeah, you? Yeah, he's like, excuse me, excuse me, I have a question. And we thought, oh, he's going to ask, you know, how did we get into voice acting or whatever? He says, what were you thinking? Yeah. And he was, I think he was saying, how dare you create a cartoon that was so insulting to the game? I think that was really what it was about. But, oh. you know, what this poor gentleman didn't understand is that we, we didn't create the cartoon. We didn't say, hey, that video game is really popular. Let's create a cartoon to piggyback on the back of that and make money. Yeah. You know, we were actors. We got hired to do a gig. That was it. But I, anyway. I think I, I came in. I missed that part, but I came in midway in the conversation, and he was asking you guys about the someone had Crystal Pepsi, and he's like, he said I could have some. Do you know where he is? And I was just like, why does anybody? Why do you think we give a shit? Like, I don't give a crap where your Crystal Pepsi is. You know? And then I and then you told me he said that, and I was just like, oh, I would have told him to fuck off. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the um, in the game that we did, one of the prizes was like a booby prize was a was a bottle of crystal pepsi and i think that guy was in the game and he was told he could get some crystal pepsi so that was the at the after insulting us then he was like oh where can i pick up my crystal pepsi from the game like uh i don't i don't know i don't remember what we said to him let me go down this list i don't know i don't care, I don't care. go fuck yeah. yourself <laughs> <laughs> oh. well no, we were polite we certainly did have a fun weekend though uh, in spite of that and then i i wish you guys uh could have come at the after everything was done the con was over we had kind of like a con staff party thing and a couple of our other guests were there as well alb and you met angie correct yeah i think so yeah, yeah you met her and um Lore. with the, the pretty lady in the yellow dress yeah with the pretty pink hair yeah <laughs> we love yeah, her she was a doll so we all had a party at the end of the night and uh we got <laughs> we found out we realized how late it was and i was starting thinking man we're being really loud and at about that time we hear a tap 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 on the door and we're like who's coming in the door and like like jordan just had just left 
And uh, so, like, did he get locked out or what? And then we open the door, and it's one of, like, concierge security. They're like, uh, if you guys don't quiet down, we're going to, you know, kick you out. And we're like, oh, okay. And then Jordan had come back, too. He's like, I saw him when I was going in the elevator coming out of it. And I was like, I bet he's going to our room. Right. Right. That's <laughs> so it was funny. was, like, 3 a.m., and I had realized, oh, shit, people are, there's other people here that aren't cons goers. Anymore. Yes. Yeah. So, but we had a good time. That's funny. So is there... Uh, any other projects or anything you're working on right now? Uh... Well, you know what I did. I did. Uh, I did the, at the beginning of August. I've had a busy month. Uh, not big parts, I will confess, but a uh, nice part in a film called Anon, mm -hmm. that with Clive uh, Clive Owen that uh, that I shot at the beginning of the month. It's still shooting. Um, I just did uh, a, a funny part in a new series. Conan O'Brien uh, is the executive producer, and I think it's for Turner. Uh, in the U.S., it's called People of Earth. I don't think it's up on... Oh, it might be up on IMDb now. So that was uh, fun. And there's a new... Um, another comedy called Working Moms, created by Catherine Reitman, Ivan Reitman's daughter. <clears throat> and that was kind of fun. So I just did that this month. And, of course, I still got, like I said, rusty rivets. But I'm uh, now I'm going to head out to Vancouver, I think, in October to hit the beat the bushes out there and see... Uh, I'll be close to you. Yeah, I'll come up. Hey, let me. Know. If you, uh, yeah, if you're if you're that way, how far away would it be? I think it's a it... about a seven or eight hour drive. That's not so bad. Yeah, and my car gets stupid good gas mileage, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I I at a quarter of a tank costs sixteen bucks to fill up my car. So wow, it's awesome. What kind of car is that? It's a Chevy Spark. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah really I think good a buddy mileage. of mine just bought one of those. They're really nice to drive. I'm really yeah, liking it. and they're comfortable. And and cheap yeah. right like not expensive yep i got well i got mine on a really good deal for is it is only two years old for eight thousand dollars holy so, smoke yeah pretty brand pretty much brand new under forty thousand miles yeah yeah fully that covered. is awesome so, <laughs> excellent i took excellent. it in this week because i was i was worried about the clutch because it made there was something that made a sound i'm like uh oh so i went and took it in and they're like yep nope you're good and covered it everything's great didn't have to pay dime <laughs> sweet yeah sweet so I don't know what else to tell you, uh, brother. I'm not sure what else is happening. Um, I'm developing a TV show that I'm hoping to pitch. I've got an executive producer on board. Yeah. Um, trying to find a showrunner for it. Uh, we we approached one, uh, but he's already working on Jay Baruchel's new series in LA. So he had to decline, but he did love it, which is a good sign. Mm -hmm. So we've reached out to another one. Um, so that's it. I mean, I don't have much else to tell you. Uh, yeah, but you know what? If anything big happens, uh, Aaron, you'll be the first guy I call, buddy. Awesome. Let you know what's happening. Yeah. Well, uh, there is one thing I remembered that I was going to mention earlier, but I better mention it or, or yeah. else anybody who goes and looks at your page, that because um, it's fairly, fairly big deal, but you have been on a couple episodes of Supernatural. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, great show. Mm -hmm. Love that show. I did the, the season three was the first one I did, and I was in the last episode of that. That was the cliffhanger when uh, the brother is trapped in hell, and uh, I was the father of the little girl that was uh, possessed by one of the demons, and, and she was killing her. She killed her grandfather and killed all the neighbors, and I played her dad. Uh, so it was a cliffhanger. It was the end of the season, so that was pretty, that was pretty cool. And then, um, lo and behold, you know, eight years later, uh, they're still going, Mm -hmm. And I was back in Vancouver, so uh, I got another, uh, they had me back, and I play a part of a, a manager of a senior citizen's home. And in this episode, the, there's a banshee 
that is an ancient banshee that is attacking weak people. And I'm weak because my wife had just left me. Um, and the banshee essentially gets inside your head and screams. And the only way you automatically to, to stop the screaming, people just stop bashing their heads against walls or whatever. So I bash my head against the wall and I go cr through a window and I go crashing through the window and land four stories down and the banshee comes and starts eating my brain. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was nice and gruesome and, and a lot of fun. And um, I, that show is still rocking. And, you know, I was talking to Jansen Ackles, one of the lead guys who your people will know, of oh, course. Yeah. Uh, really nice guy. I, I'll tell you, uh, I, I worked with both of them in the first episode and they were both very nice. And then Jansen in the second one. And uh, he remembered me, which was fun. And we sat down together for quite a while and chatted about being fathers and what it's like, to, you know, being in the business. And he talked about how, you know, the challenges for him uh, being a wealthy man and, and trying to raise normal children. And he was very honest and candid and, and, and knew that he had, you know, that it was a it was a difficult thing. It was a challenge to to raise kids unaffected when you essentially have enough money to buy them whatever they want right. and uh, but he was raised you know in a normal family he said his dad i think sold aluminum siding or something like that and but just a really nice normal guy yeah uh, the the fans would be nice to know and and he you know he said that uh, interestingly when we talked about how the show's been going so long it's been 11 seasons now and he said well you know what did it he said it was netflix when netflix came along he said it brought in a whole new generation of fans and the show got completely revitalized. And uh, so they're still going strong. Yeah. You know, with no end in sight. He said they, they they were told they can go as long as they want. They've they've definitely surpassed the six seasons in a movie thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. They should still oh, do a yeah. movie, though. Maybe that would be pretty good. That would be. I, I think people would go to see it, you know. Oh, yeah, they would. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know if you, if you watch the show. I don't watch it anymore. But when I was shooting my episode back in uh, almost a year ago, back in October, they they were still giddy with excitement from shooting an episode just yeah. the one or maybe two before that it's was gotta entirely... be a fun show to do like <laughs> well it was but this episode was shot entirely from the car's perspective oh that's I said, what do you mean yeah he said yeah the whole... it's you don't see anything except what happens in front of the car from the car's perspective and he said it was awesome so i i, I actually may try to look that one up and, and try and find it on netflix because uh that that just sounds like it was so cool. Like they, you know, they got to come up with some interesting ideas, right? After yeah. eleven seasons, you, you, the well's getting pretty dry. But boy, that's so creative. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I've I've only ever heard good things about working with that crew and those guys. So it's it's good to know again yeah. on a, to reinforce that those are cool dudes to work with. So a absolutely, and the crew is pretty much you know the keys are the pretty much the same guys they started with. They're like a family. Yeah, and they 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 love each other, and they're boy they're good. Oh my god, they. They're like finishing each other's sentences practically, you yeah. know. They're a very well-oiled machine, so it's a nice little gig they got going there for sure. Yeah, um, even uh, Stephen Amell from Arrow, he was talking on Facebook one time about how he he meets with them sometimes and learns from them, and he's like, you know, how nice they are, and they're always giving him tips and advice, and he's just like, those guys are so cool. So, like, if Oliver Queen is saying that they're cool, <laughs> they're probably cool dudes. Yeah, they, so. they really are. They really are, which is nice, you know, because they could, let's face it, they could be dickheads. Yeah. You know, 11 seasons, they, they got the world by the pants, and, uh, you know, just to be that good-looking, they could be arrogant dickheads. You know, even if they were plumbers, they could be idiots for that being that tall and good-looking. But um, no, they were they were nice chaps. 
So if if you if you find yourself like you said you're going to Vancouver if you find yourself either on that show or any of the CW stuff especially the Flash if you find something in the Flash if you get on the Flash that'll be three people I know that have been involved in that show. <laughs> ah, cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, you know, oh, geez, my mind just uh, just blank. Tom Cavanaugh, mm-hmm. who's who's on he's on the Flash I think right? Isn't he the doctor the scientist doctor? Yes. Dr. Or is he on Wells. Arrow? I think he's on The Flash. Kavanaugh. Yeah, no, he's he's Dr. Wells. Well, on right. The Flash. He and I used to work at the keg together. Yeah. Years ago. And in fact, he went to university with my wife. So uh, I've known Tom. We did a commercial together before he broke, before he got Ed. That was his big oh, wow. break when he, when he did Ed. And uh, I haven't spoken to him since because he's a big star now, but he works nonstop. But he's also uh, a very nice guy. Yeah, he's he's actually my. I mean, the Flash is my favorite superhero of all time. But uh, he, as far as that show goes, my favorite part of the show. Oh really? Yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, especially after they, you know, spoiler alert, they brought him back and all those different things went on. But right. He's, yeah, he's cool. I like him a lot. But hey, if you ever run into him, be like, hey, I have, I know a kid. He's got a podcast. Like, <laughs> I absolutely will. I absolutely will. I know no that's a, that's a long shot, but hey, you never know. Well, just running into him will be a long shot, but I could try to reach out. You know, I mean, I'd love to have a beer with him, and I'm sure he would. And I guess he's in Vancouver, so I could uh, when I'm there, I'll I'll see. But cool. yeah, I put in a word for you. Of course, I would. Cool. Try to try to line up the beer when you let me know when you're there, and then I'm on my way. And then you like, got oh, it. by the way, this is my friend. Be like, hello, Mr. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> who's, the, who's this other beer for? Oh, it's for Aaron. He'll be here yeah, in a second. Yeah, don't worry. He's a big deal. He's a big deal. <laughs> He's being That's casually right. late. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, hey, 59 minutes on the dot here. Beautiful. Um, thank you so much for joining me on this show. Is there? Do you? into the social media at all anywhere anybody can find you instagram twitter anything you know like what you? i don't have any of that stuff i mean i'm on facebook but i'm i'm i don't i don't accept uh, like everyone that that asks yeah um i think i should maybe get on instagram honestly I just, i'm just not one of those guys it's not it, and it's not that i'm you know i love talking to people i have no problem with it it's just something in my psyche i don't I'm not a big self-promoter, which is not a good thing when you're an actor. <laughs> I, I should be more into it. But if I ever did get into that stuff, I'll let you know for sure. But I, cool. I appreciate that. And then you can, if I do, then you can put out the word for me. Sure, I'll do that. Well, of course, you you can look up Jonathan on IMDb, uh, and you can check out his movies and television shows and stuff if you'd like. Um, that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. As usual, if you want to find more from us, you can go to youtube.com slash pixelich. That's P-I-X-E-L-L-I-T-C-H. The T is important. <laughs> and I think that that'll about do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey everybody, just a little extra tidbit of information here. I wanted to say thank you to Space for providing us with his song Invading Your Space for our intro. If you'd like to hear some more awesome chiptunes, and I know that you do, check him out at inverseface.com. 